Well, where do we start? What we were talking about a minute ago? Um, like the tons of short form videos. Oh yeah. People that struggle with content. Yeah. So I meet people like that all the time. They're like, how do you find all the time to get all this content? Do people ask you that? Yeah. I mean like five times a day I get two questions. One, what type of videos do I make? And two, like, where do I start? Yeah. Um, and so like, we were just talking about having a whole folder of like all these different assets, whether it's like you're hitting the gym or whatever. So we do that on a short scale at Shortform Empire. So I give people three folders, raw folder, finished clips, and then client assets. And I'm like, listen, put as much content in there as possible. So if I get like, you know, a guru or a coach, whoever trying to sell a course, I'm like, put pictures of you and your car in there hitting the gym and all this stuff. So when we make content and they're talking about that, we implement it instead of like some random guy on like Shutterstock. Yeah. And it makes it more personal. Wow. Yeah. I've met a lot of people like in the videography space that like they're great at the craft and the art part of it, but they're terrible at the logistical direction of guiding the the content creators. Yeah. Like you just said something that I just haven't even thought about. Like, why would I not have separate drives saved and like just dump stuff in there? Right. I mean, there might be a time when I'm like injured you know, and not be able to shoot a bunch of content, or maybe I want to spend a 30-day sabbatical with my family, and if I got three different categories of content in there that some short-form editor can go back and just pull from, I bet you so many people are not, like, categorizing and keeping that stuff in an organized fashion, and they're going to regret it. Absolutely, and I think the biggest thing, too, is people just make content to get, and so they're not in the mindset of, like, oh, my story, my journey, my path that I'm leaving behind has value, Therefore, they don't document it. They're just like, here's the three ways to do this and do that and do that. And it's only to get, not to give. And yeah. so they're not even in that mindset. It's more of a scarcity mindset, not abundance. How do you, that, you bring up a good point. So I can scroll through my feed and I'm in the real estate, you know, finance field. So my whole news feed, that's what it is. Right. I look at my wife's news feed. It's like, there ain't no realtors, lenders, whatever. And the reason being is she doesn't want to look at the listing. She doesn't want to look at you selling her something. They, she doesn't want to hear about how great interest rates are. Right. How do you get somebody to shift from that mindset? Because people do ask me that all the time and I, I struggle with explaining it. Like, stop with the call to actions mm-hmm. directly in what you're doing. You've got to think like what you're talking about, like in an abundance mindset. Give, give How yeah. do you get people there? Well, I think it's more from the heart. It's about a paradigm shift. So I like to use this analogy, not saying that my content's the best way to do it, but there's other kids my age that run social media marketing agencies. You go to their account and it's like three videos a day of why they're great and why you need me. Yeah. And I'm like, but where's your story? People don't care how much you know unless they know how much you care. And they're not going to know that unless they see your story. So they're always making content to get. And you just talked about the video I did on the bridge. Yeah. Well, I can make content every single day talking about here's how to go viral. Here's the best right, hook. Right. But I know I would be getting from that. So that's why I made a video talking about my chronic disease, my heartbreak and stuff. And I kid you not, I had like five DMs after that. People saying, yo, I have a chronic disease, never told anyone. Right. They just start opening up. Yeah. But I wouldn't have got that from like, here's why you need short form videos. Yeah. So it really has to come down to a paradigm shift and not everyone's willing to do that. I think that once you start doing it and you're experiencing that, it's motivating, isn't it? Absolutely. Like it's not about us. It's just, it feels good that you're giving something to somebody and freeing them of something. Yeah. You know, like I've talked a lot about, I don't like hide it from the fact that, you know, I had a lot of trauma issues repeated in my life, actually 27 different cases of trauma. 
you know, between that and 45 years old that I mm-hmm. had to deal with. And I can't tell you, every time I talk about it or I say something about it, the messages and the texts that I get, yeah, you know? And, but yet we still jump on our social media and we talk about our business and our product and we right. keep our personal life separate and we keep our dark, dark things that we've gone through in our life confidential. Mm-hmm. Like, we shoot the Hope Dealer podcast and it's like the one thing I want to help people understand is what's your story? Yeah. What's the what's the biggest challenge that you've overcome in your life? Like what's the tell what's something that you're proud of that you overcame that was a tough moment? Um I it goes back to that video. So I I was in almost a two year relationship and it started to go south just for a number of reasons, but at the same time I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And the problem was over those two years, all my identity was in that girl. So emotionally, physically, even spiritually, in a sense. Um, And when the only thing that I put my identity in was gone, I had nothing. I literally had no purpose to anyone at the end of the day. Um, And I remember where I was. I was in my um, bedroom at my mom's house and I just sat there and I don't know where this came from. But I wasn't like, all right, why God? Why is this happening? Why me? It was like, okay, and I can't do anything about it. So how, where and how do I funnel my energy into things that'll make me greater? And I think right then and there, that's the most thing I'm, the biggest thing I'm confident about is I chose delayed gratification versus temporary satisfactions. Yeah. So don't we all need those moments or those people in our life that say, okay, what are you going to do about it? So I went to engineering school because I thought that's what I needed to do. I thought, like, I'm going to get a degree. Nobody in my family had ever gone to college. I was proud of that. So I just did what I thought, like, you know, pick a, pick a profession off the shelf. You know, engineer, that sounds good. Yeah. And two years into it, I was like, this is not what I want to do. So I transferred, you know, colleges. I went to MTSU. I changed into a field that, like, I wasn't really super passionate about. I just changed, honestly, to change something. And I was one month away from graduating and I was waiting tables at Demas's and I had gone on a job interview for environmental science at Vanderbilt. I thought like, I mean, this Vermont country boys, like, man, I'm going on a job interview at Vanderbilt. I thought I was hot stuff. Yeah. So I parked near the hospital that ended up getting out, going in like puffed up chest. Hey, I'm here for a job interview. They said, well, where? And I said, environmental science. They're like, oh, go out the building walk down the sidewalk, go around the side. There's a green dumpster. Walk around that. There's a door. You'll see the sign. I'm like, oh, okay. So it's like, er, it's starting to go down a little bit. Yeah. So I walk down that sidewalk. I go around the green dumpster and I see one of those metal doors that's got the wire in, in the glass, you know, and it said Vanderbilt and environmental health and safety. So I pull that door open. It's like really crickety. And I go in and like, I shit you not, it's like a concrete hallway with like flickering lights. And I walk in, it's like damp. And I look to the left and I'm like, there's a guy standing there in this like, almost like a janitor's closet. And I said, I'm here for the job interview. My name's Sean Captain. He goes, yeah, nice to meet you. Johnny Vanderpool. I still remember his name to this day. And he's like, let me show you around, you know, and you can tell me if this is something you think you want to go to the next step with. Well, he proceeded to bring me to like, these places in the hospital where we, I would be responsible for autoclaving body waste, body parts, syringes, medical waste. And oh, by the way, the starting salary was $26,000 a year. I was de 
deflated. Yeah. And the reason why I bring this all up was I went back that night. I had to work at the restaurant. And Miss Demas, who's, you know, she's passed now, but she was a great mentor in my life. I'm sitting back at the bus station waiting for a table to be sat, feeling bad for myself. And Miss Demas comes up. She goes, what's wrong with you? Like, she just knew. And I said, well, Miss D, I said, I think I went to college for six years to just find out that I don't want to do what I got my degree in. And she didn't say anything at all, Nick, like other than this one thing. She looks at me and she goes, what are you going to do about it? She didn't say, why? What are you talking about? I want to feel bad with you, whatever. She just looked at me and she said, what are you going to do about it? And that was one of those moments like you had. And right there in my brain, it shifted. And I was like, yeah, you're right. What am I going to do about it? And I said, I think I'm going to get into real estate. And she said, well, let me introduce you to somebody. And she took me to someone in the restaurant that was there sitting. And he was sitting with a mortgage guy. It was a real estate builder, developer, and a mortgage guy. And he looks up at me and he's like, you seem like a pretty sharp guy. He goes, you're dressed well. You ever thought about selling mortgages? This was in year 2000. And I was like, I don't know what a mortgage is. I don't want to sell insurance. He goes, nah, come out and see me the next week. And I was off and running after that point. And that's how I got into mortgages. But I had that moment where I was like, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Right? How do you think that people can overcome that, you know, feeling of, hey, I have a choice to feel bad for myself right now and be a victim of my circumstances? Or I have a choice to say, all right, this is what's happening. What am I going to do about it? I mean, I believe I'm a firm believer that the Holy Spirit kind of gives us a choice right then and there because you kind of answer the question. It's you're questioning it. That's where it comes from. Yeah. It just comes down to what you do with it. Right. Um, and I think a lot of people know they need change. They know they need to change their atmosphere, their mindset, their habits, but they don't. But the fact that they know they need to do it is the first step. Right. Yeah. So I think it really comes down to that. Like for me. So emptiness sparks purpose right but it's what you do with that purpose do i funnel that purpose and energy into the temporary satisfaction even like oh feel bad for myself that's temporary or do i say okay and and start funneling it to re we rewiring my brain my brain was always in that relationship like thinking about that 24 7 i'm like what do i think about now yeah and you have to let those neural paths create it and i think if you let the holy spirit lead you it's going to lead you to the right spot 100 percent you are, you are a testament to that. The quality that stood out about you and at your age and the growth that you have in your life compared to your peers was when you reached out to me. Like many people would not do that. Right. And, and you were like, I just want to meet, want to you know, know more about you and what you do. And I was like, I felt honored. And then you came out and I remember asking like, so, you know, what do I need to do for you? What? And you were like, I don't need nothing. I just want to learn, you know? Absolutely. And like that alone, just putting yourself in the circumstances. And now we end up here and the friendship that we're all developing. It's like, I just wish we could teach that to more kids, you know, more people coming out of school, more people trying to find a new place in their career. Because do you believe like we're going to have some sort of big, huge, massive like identity crisis, like with everything progressing so fast? Like, do you feel like you're going to find more and more people like asking themselves, who am I? I've you like, who's my identity? I've been doing this for so many years. Now, what do I do? I think we're already there, especially with teenagers. Cause I, so I went to private Christian school for like all my life. When COVID hit, I went to public school to do college and high school, which I dropped out of. It's kind of ironic. Um, and once again, this is kind of when I was going through all that stuff. And what I did is two things. One, I just sat back and watched everyone, watched everyone at lunch, 
watch how the teachers act, how they responded to people, how the students, why they were getting into fights, all this stuff. And what I realized and what I saw is that everyone was just searching and they weren't attracting. And I think that's what it is. Yeah. And when I was going through this stuff and going into my senior year of high school, I told myself, so I went through different phases. The first one was take the risk or lose the chance. So when I went through all that stuff that summer, went to my senior year of high school, I said, all right, take every chance possible. I was socially awkward. So I said, okay, taking a risk for me is raising my hand and talking to the teacher or staying five minutes after class and talking to them or like not putting in my headphones and looking down. That's a risk for me. And I, you know, I know something greater is going to come out of it. So it was take the risk or lose the chance. And that's when I started picking up the camera, filming for my high school. And at that point, it became stop chasing and start attracting. So I, I found my natural inclination, which was videography and ultimately capturing stories for people. Um, and I built that up and I was able to attract. I didn't chase anything. I, I even went to the parties in high school, but I was the kid behind the camera. I didn't, I never drank once. I never did in that stuff. I didn't need to because I knew who I was. So it's about taking risks and figure out who you are because I hate when people say, go find yourself, go find yourself. How do you find something that doesn't exist? You have to create yourself. And that's what I did. I took risks, created myself. And once I figured out who I was, obviously through Christ and through godly things, I then attracted people to that. So with that said, I think teenagers have to start taking risks, but risks that don't necessarily harm them. It's it's risks that pushes them forward because there's no growth in comfort, right? Yeah. So I think that's what it comes down to. And that's how short form empire has basically been birthed. Yeah. I can give you the quick elevator pitch about that. I want to hear about it. No, seriously. So it was in my junior year of high school. So from February to like May is when the right relationships started dropping. The chronic disease was increasing. Everything fell apart. And it was that summer when I was alone for two months that I was just in my thoughts and the only thing I could do was just mow on my grandma's farm. But I think that saved my life because I was just in my thoughts all the time in a good way, just like letting God speak. And I kid you not, every thought that came to mind, and it was mostly towards that relationship, wrote it down. I wrote down like 16,000 words in a week. I would most stop, write it down, most stop, write it down. And what I didn't realize is I was unearthing my subconscious, right? Yeah. So that's when I just let my subconscious come out and that's when take the risk or lose the chance came about. And I, like I said, went into my senior year. I'm like, I'm going to start talking to people, putting myself out there. Um, but during that summer, I just picked up my phone and started making TikToks of nature. It wasn't like me dancing, of course. Yeah. No one wants to see that. But it was like of nature, of people. That was a lot of content I made was just of people at like at the park and stuff. And I just like, it made me feel a certain way. I don't, I can't even explain it. So I did that. And the kids at my high school somehow saw it. It was showing up on their feet and they're like, you should film some sports stuff. It's like, I've never done this before, but take the risk or lose a chance. What's the worst that could happen? Right. And I made a video for the girls soccer team. And it was, it was terrible. It's still out there to this day, but they loved it. And I was like, what the heck? Like, this feels good. Yeah. Not because look what I've made, like, look what I can capture for them. Right. And it was about making them look good. And yeah. I just found so much joy in that. So I kept making those videos. I started to learn and grow my talents a little bit. And it started blowing up even more and even more. And now other high schools were seeing it. And it blew up so much that the parents of the student athletes were seeing it. And they're like, I need content for my business. Yeah. And that's where it got big. Now I'm like filming a prosthetic company commercial yeah that like made the news and all this craziness and i was like what is happening 
but I just kept doing it and kept doing it. And during this time is when I started networking like crazy. Take the risk or lose a chance. DM all these people. Reach, out, Go to all these events. And I just kept getting myself out there. And that's when I saw there was a whole nother world. Like college was not going to be on the radar. Um, and I just started telling people this this week. MTSU offered me $30,000 in free college. Really? And I turned it down. Wow. Because I knew that's not what God had for yeah. me. Because I would have been in their schedule under their agenda. Not that it was a terrible thing, but... I knew there was more out there. So I graduated high school um, and I just knew I didn't want to go to college, but I was trying to figure out how do I scale what I'm doing for everyone. I want to show everyone stories, but also monetize it. Um, And it was like June or July and I got a DM from a football coach at my high school. He's like, there's these two NFL players in Nashville. They need a videographer, photographer behind the scenes. I was like, all right, what 18-year-old hangs out with NFL players every week? Yeah. So I did that. Obviously, wasn't the best environment for me, but it was one of those things where I humbled myself and just watched them, watched how they talked, watched how they operated. Why did this work? Why are they talking about this? Um, and this was the time when podcasts started doing short-form videos, yeah. clipping the funny, intriguing, controversial moments, putting captions, B-roll over it, and posting it. It's like, have you guys done this? They're like, no. I was like, I haven't either, but let's try it. So I went through all of their content, clipped it on my iPhone, edited it from my thumbs, and started posting short-form videos. In 90 days, took them from 3,000 subscribers to 100,000. Wow. And their ad revenue from 70 bucks to 7,000 a month. Then you knew you were onto something. I knew I was onto something. And during that duration, I only got paid 100 bucks, which I, I didn't even want anything. Right. But I figured out I figured it out right then and there that this is where it's at. So I had $6,000 to my name. I bought courses, invested into mentors, yep. um, went to events, dropped all of it. And from August of last year to November, I just studied and I was a sponge and I learned and I and I failed so many times. Mm. And then I landed my first client, $1,500 retainer. And that was, it was cool, whatever. Yeah. But then I was editing all that content myself, like three videos a day, posting it on all the platforms for them. So that's when I learned to build a team. Then I got a few more clients. And a lot of people don't know this too. I had enough money for one month's worth of rent at my dream high-rise apartment. And I I bought it. I was like, let's do it. Now I got a fire under me. I have to keep pushing. And then next thing I know, I had like a five-figure week and it just kept scaling. Um, But with that said, it's, it's not about the money. It's not about me scaling. What I found is I love taking people from pain to purpose, but through content and sharing that story yeah. and we've generated over a hundred million views for our clients in the last nine months wow. and i love talking about that not like oh like how great we are it's like <laughs> hundreds of millions of people are impact whether it's real estate or podcasts or right. even crypto whatever it may be so that's like the the little elevator pitch that's pretty damn cool yeah and to think like again it's not about the views but you're in a the more eyeballs that see something, the more chance you have to create a pivot shift in their life. Absolutely. Um, it could be all the way to saying, you know what? He is right. You know, I've got to say no to some things that are good to get able to say yes to some things that are great. Right. You have that quality. Multiple times I've heard in your life, you have could have taken something and you said, nope. Like, and then you go and you're like, I'll help out these guys, you know, for, you know, don't even know if I'm going to make any money out of it. Right. There's a Hollywood actor. I don't remember what his name is. He's he's a skateboarder, but he's also really well-known skateboarder, but he's also on a lot of TV shows. You'd recognize him if, if I told you, but I met his videographer and I was like, well, how'd you get 
a gig with him and he goes, well, somebody said he needs somebody to shoot. Mm -hmm. So I drove seven hours to meet with him. Um, ended up sleeping on his floor. You know, I don't even think he paid me, you know, for, but then it opened up a door. Absolutely. Somewhere else. We live in a world of instant gratification. Yep. And it kind of sucks because so many people are like, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? And you would have never made it that far if you didn't have, if you had that mentality. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you have to have a fine line of like knowing who you are and your worth. But it's all about the only thing I learned in college was opportunity costs. And I actually failed macroeconomics, which is funny. But the thing I took out of that was opportunity yeah. costs. You have to look at, okay, if I take, if I do this side or this side of it, what's the pros of it? Does it outweigh? And so when I was taking the risk, every single time I looked at it, okay, if I sit back in this event and watch and don't put myself out there, it could lead to X, Y, and Z. So literally any situation, any client I reach out to, any door I get into, I think of that opportunity cost. And a lot of people might not understand it, and I hope they do one day, but it's spirit-led. Yeah. It's not where I'm like, oh, I want to do that. It's like, I just do it. Right. And, um, you know, that rolls out. Um, I want to ask you a question. Yeah. So what is hope to you? Hope. Hope is hope is dreams. Hope is is is, is a new life. Mm-hmm. Hope is a a chance. Um, you know, it sounds kind of silly, but like growing up, I remember some moments that really stood out. Like one of them was going to the grocery store. We were on food stamps. We were on Wick, and I would just always ask for like the Captain Crunch, the Apple Jacks, <laughs> the Lucky Charms, right? And I just got told no over and over and over. And it was like we got to buy the Cheerios. We've got to buy the you know, cornflakes. Mm-hmm. And I just remember having hope that, well, if I work really, really super hard, if I gravitate towards people that will help me, if I'm just really kind and 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 and, and have good manners and put effort into something for a, a long time, obediently in one direction, then it's not about the money. It's not about the success. It was that I have hope that I'll be able to do, do these things and I'll have these things one day. Absolutely. And that hope came from what hope means to me to answer your question is my mom used to work three jobs. I would sit with my grandmother. You know, she'd come in and plant me down with my grandmother at like 8 a.m. in the morning or 7.30 a.m. And I'd sit with my grandmother and we'd watch Prices Right, Family Feud. And she would just sit there and she would say her rosary on one side and the other side she'd be patting my hair. And I'd, if she didn't say it 100,000 times, she probably never said it once. But she'd just say over and over, she's like, you're so smart, you're so handsome, you can do anything that you set your mind to. And we just sit there rock, and I now look back on that moment, Nick, and what she did was she instilled hope in me, and I heard it over and over and over and over. So that's what that's what hope means to me. That's what dealing hope means. My grandmother was the ultimate example to that. Beautiful. Yeah. We out of time, or are we good? Intro? For, okay, episode two. So. Oh, this was a whole podcast? I didn't even know. Yeah, heck, we I might as well we because I kind of took over and we didn't do short form content. <laughs> okay. So, not? so what's the podcast that you want to start? So there's a podcast that I'm going to start called called Higher Podcast. Called Higher. Right. Because when I was at my lowest, I felt as if I was called higher, but I didn't know where to go. It was like a big fog, but there was something inside of me. That emptiness was sparking that purpose. Felt as if I was called higher didn't know where to go and it took months and days and it's going to take years ultimately 
of listening to people, consuming things, investing into myself to get there. So the reason I want to do it is God has blessed me with a fairly big audience at my age so far, but a lot of them, the 95% of my audience is 18 to 24, wow. which blows my mind. Wow. But they're all people or individuals that want to be great. They want to make money. They want to leave an impact. They feel as if they're called higher, but they don't have an outlet. And I was blessed enough to create that outlet through all these different yeah. ventures so far. And I want to be that outlet. I want to bring on the Sean Kaplan's, the yeah. NFL players, all that stuff. But I have to do it in a high-rise apartment because we're called higher. And there's a lot of symbolism in there. Because wow. um, like I said, during my senior year of high school, I looked at that apartment. I said, I'm going to be there. Yeah. A few months later, I am there. So, yeah, there's just a lot of symbolism there. Cool. And I want to be that outlet for these individuals that feel as if they're called higher because there's always so much I can talk about and give. Yeah. But there's stuff you have that I can never give. Absolutely. And there's stuff Nick has or the NFL players or even, like you said, the guy that was in prison. Um, and I want to create that outlet for people. And just creating that outlet or that opportunity or platform that people can step onto you're going to inspire them and they're probably going to run toward exactly their higher calling. Exactly. You know, and they, maybe they'll go start their YouTube, their podcast and have the courage to do exactly. so. You know, that's pretty damn cool. What does hope dealing mean to you? Hope dealing. Yeah. That's something I'm still figuring out. Um, but I'll say this and I don't, I rarely talk about this to people, but during that moment at my lowest, once again, I knew I wanted to be great but I, I knew I was going to be great. And it's something a lot of, not a lot of people understand, but I just knew it was going to happen. But with that, I told myself I was never going to be the guru. Yes, I might have nice things, but if I have nice things, I'm going to show you how it got there and that I'm just a vessel of God and that it's a, it's a reflection. If I post me with a Rolex, it's not going to be like, look, I got this Rolex. Like, screw you guys. It's going to be like, no, this is hard work. This is dedication. This is 20 hour work days. That's how I want people to see it. So dealing hope for me is, you know, I'm going to keep persistently pursuing my full potential, but I'm going to leave that roadmap behind. And I believe that's what's separated me apart from most YouTubers and gurus so far is I get DMs on the daily. I don't respond to all of them because some of them are like, make me money. Right. All right. Yeah. 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 But the kids that take time to say like, Nick, your videos inspire me. And there's something about you that I can't explain that is so different from anyone else. Like, Everyone feels connected to me and it's not me. Once again, it's God, just a vessel, but dealing hope is persistently pursuing my full potential, but showing everyone else that you can do it too. Yeah. And I believe, and I say this humbly that separates me apart is I, I am at the same level as everyone. I'm never going to be higher. I'm never going to be greater. My journey might seem that way, but we all have our own journeys, right? And I'm going to, I tell everyone, so I have a short form mastermind where I have 14 year olds making over a thousand dollars a month. Wow. But every time we get on the call, I say, listen, I'm not greater than you. I might have made all this money and like have all these results, bro. I'm here with you. Right. And I I tell them, I say, there's things you're going to fail that I never even knew. And I'm going to learn and we're going to grow together. So that's the biggest thing is like being humble. I feel like that's how you deal hope. Because if I'm not humble to these, to these individuals or people aren't humble to me, I see them as greater and then I have no hope right. because I feel inferior. Yeah. I, I think that the the saying the teacher becomes the student, like you probably learn as much from them sometimes as what you're teaching. hundred percent. Right. That they're hundred percent. You. Um, you bring up a good point because, you know, in truth and transparency for years, 
like I didn't know how to enjoy any of my success. Mm-hmm. I, I would suppress it. Like I would hide it. Yeah. And, you know, when I was growing up, my mom used to clean uh, big houses that we would go to. She'd clean her toilets, floors, all that. She was a house cleaner. And she'd take me with me, uh, take me with her. And I'd be like sitting on their couch or I'd just be walking around outside or whatever. Well, I'd get to see these people's fancy cars. And there was a guy that had a red Porsche. And I remember sitting in it one time. And, uh, you know, because I'd looked at it for weeks on end and I was like, I'm just going to sit in it one day. Yeah. Well, I'm sitting in it and all of a sudden the garage door opened and I froze. Oh, shoot. And he came and it was him and he was coming home. And instead of just being playful or, hey, do you like the car? Whatever. I remember, I will never forget how he opened up that door and he pointed at me and he's like, get out of my car. He goes, don't you ever get in my car ever again. Wow. And it was almost at that moment that I, I, I feel like there was a chip that was planned that was like, you watch what I'm going to do with this. Yeah, right. absolutely. But I was so petrified that that symbolized to me, like that's what people are think of you when you have nice things. Well, then there was this, you know, I always wanted to have cars and my dream car was an Audi R8. And so about six years ago, I was like, you know what? I really want to get this car, but I struggled with it for months because I talked to people and I was like, what are people going to think? What are they going to think? Whatever. And like my one friend said something and he goes, those that are your friends and have known your journey that you've been on and how hard you've worked, they won't think of that. They'll look at you and say, if he can do it, I can do it too. Right? So I bought that damn car. And then one day I was at the gas station. I took a picture of it. Right? And I was standing near it or whatever. And I posted on my social. The very first comment that popped up, it was a dude saying, flex much? Mm. And that's all he said. Well, my I didn't have to say anything. My friends came to my defense. Clearly, you don't know Sean and know the journey he's been on or how hard he's worked for it. Right. And I was so devastated by that because I wanted what you talked about, which is like, I would only post a picture of that or share something in my life that would allow somebody else to say, man, dude, if he did that, then I know I can do that. Absolutely. You know? And- that's why you do it, right? A hundred percent. But I never, but I'm petrified of people perceiving me as being the guy who flex much, right? right? But any time that you're going to put yourself out there to inspire people, one thing I've just gotten over and I've learned to be comfortable with is there's going to be people there on both sides of the camp. People that are going to misperceive you and the people that are not going to misperceive you and they're going to see your true heart. And you just have to take that chance. A hundred percent. I think it's a very important thing and we all struggle with it, but on your journey of hope and creating yourself is really finding your confidence in yourself. Yeah. Because like for me, I mean, I've done the yachts, I've done the Miami stuff. I've, I got invited to a $50 million mansion event, which I'm going to go to. Um, and there's kids there that were millionaires at 16. I, I didn't know anything about money at 16. And once again, I've been called higher, as we all are called higher in different areas. But if I don't know who I am and I'm in those rooms, it's yeah. game over for me. But at the same time, it's like if I don't know who I am and my intentions when I post these things, if I post these things, that it's game over for me mentally. And like the, like you said, those comments will destroy you and deter you from where you need to go. Um, and on top of that, too, like 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 I said, I've done all that stuff. I'd find no joy in it at all. Like I find dopamine, right? but it does not fulfill me at all in a good way. I don't let it fulfill me. Um, And I want people, when I post these things as well, that's the part of hope is like, this will not fulfill you. What will fulfill you is a relationship with God, knowing who you are 
and providing value to people. Because once again, I see it. I've 16 year olds with Lamborghinis. Yeah. I know for a fact at the end of the day, they're not fulfilled because they don't know who they are and they do everything just to get. So those two things are very important. You're, you're a wise, wise man at, at beyond your years. Unfortunately, I was the opposite. I was almost 40 years old before I really realized I was like, man, this stuff's not going to make me happy. Yeah. But I never had anybody to really teach me along the ways. And I didn't have any of it. So I had to at least taste it. Right. But I got to the point in my life quickly where I was like, actually, somebody stepped into my life and he said, you know, man, I'm going to tell you something because I love you. And I don't think a lot of people will tell you this. And I said, what's that? And he goes, there's 7 billion people on the planet. Some will like you. Some won't like you. So what? He goes, but if you end up continuing to go around and ple- trying to please everybody and get everybody to like you, he goes, you're going to end up just like your father. Mm. And he was damn right. Yeah. Like, that's what my father did. Like, he worried so much about what people thought and tried to make them happy that he ultimately, you know, took his own life over that. Yeah. You know, disappointing other people. He was so tired of disappointing other people that he took his own life because he felt like the world would be better without him. Absolutely. And when he said, when my friend said that to me, that was a pivot shift in my life. I was like, you know, I don't need the partying, the work, the nice things, the clothes. Like, yeah, that's nice. Like, I enjoy that. But at the same time, like, that's not why you should be doing it. Right. You should be doing it for a deeper purpose, deeper calling, a more due north. You know, in Boy Scouts, I remember they would always tell you, don't get the, a compass near a magnet. Because if you got it near a magnet, what would happen is it would throw it off. It wouldn't really show north. Yeah. And I think of you going to a party like that and, like, having your magnet knock your compass off or your compass is due north. You know it's dialed. Right. And when you go out in that wilderness, like that thing will guide you. Like you'll know when it's time to go home. Right. You'll know when it's time to say no to something. You'll know when it's time to cut off a conversation because it's not going in a direction that, in, you know, that intuition and discernment that the right. Lord will give you. Absolutely. You know, and I wish more people would tap into that, especially at an earlier age. Yeah. I have a really off topic question. Um, so last time I did a podcast with Haley Timberlake, she's drop shipping. She's amazing at it. She's crushed it. Um, And she's what I would call a high value woman. And so I asked her this question. I'm going to ask it for you. So there's a lot of young guys my age, younger, a little bit older, um, who are persistently pursuing their full potential. I mean, they're in the gym. They're doing all this stuff. And this goes along with your identity crisis. We're in a day and age where a lot of guys and a lot of females are just like doing tons of things for temporary satisfaction and they'll never know who they are. Right. So how does, and I, I, I know the answer myself. I know who I am, where I'm going. How does a high value man or a guy that's persistently pursuing his full potential attract a high value woman in this day and age where, you know, they're scrolling on TikTok, they see all these girls and they, in person, they see all these, like all this stuff. How does a young Christ following man stay aligned and stay in his lane and attract a high value woman? Man, that's a really big question. And you're talking to a guy that's been in a relationship with my wife for 20 years. <laughs> but I go back to when I first met her. Mm-hmm. You know, that you know, the eyes are, you know, the a direct peek into the heart, you know, and the soul. Right. And my wife was always willing to be genuine, open, honest, caring, compassion. But here's the one thing that I noticed that stands out to this day. I don't think I've ever heard my wife say something negative about somebody. Wow. So 
to answer your question, the only way that I could answer that would be look for somebody who is more focused on giving to others, being compassionate to others, making the world a better place, you know, that is genuine and authentic about it versus somebody who's doing things for accolades. Right. Like what you're probably trying to say is like, like there's, there's women that dress a certain way and there's men that are always flexing a certain way in a gym, right? Like you can see that, but sometimes it's not as prevalent. It's not as obvious, right? right. But you still pick up on those characteristics. The other thing I would tell you is just like in person, I think socials are the same. Look at look at the circle of who you're being influenced. Yeah. You should be always trying to get to higher level tables. So if you scroll through your news feed and it's, you know, half naked people and cars and partying and music, like maybe you need to self-evaluate and start hitting that snooze button and go over to, you know, Influencer Academy, go over to your page, you know, start following people that are, you know, get get at those bigger tables socially and digitally. Right. Does that answer your question? Does it does, absolutely. Uh, but like my thing is, is so I went through all that stuff and I had that paradigm shift, but how do we get the vast majority of people to have that paradigm shift of like, oh shoot, I need to be in a new atmosphere, something that's going to push me. Because remember, and you probably have experienced this, that's all they've known their whole life. Yeah. And it's scary. A whole new environment. Is this person or thing that I'm watching emulating a direction or or person I want to be in the future, right? So one thing I have as a problem with, you know, in religion and churches a lot is like, because my dad was Jewish, my mom was Roman Catholic. Crazy. <laughs> That's the both right? Ones. But like they subscribe to this thing where it's like, you know, oh, it's materialism, you know. It's, it's wrong to have nice things. Give it all away. Well, the Jewish people don't believe that. I like nice things, right? So that's not what we're talking about here, but look and see where that compass, you can tell when that compass, where it's pointed due north and when it's not. And I would just say that, you know, check and evaluate constantly what you're putting into your eyes and your ears because it's going to your heart. Mm -hmm. And is it pointing you in the direction of where you want to be? Or who you want to be in the future, and if it's not, then stop it. Yeah, change it. Ask other people for help. Right? Like you're in this room with us. You're not out drinking. You're not out right. partying. Like you, you know, you're you're hanging out with high quality individuals that want the best out of life and want the best out of others. And you're gonna glean off that. It's just like NASCAR. You're drafting. You can never go wrong by getting behind somebody that's doing big things on a great level and good things to for good people. Like, good things are going to happen to you. Right. Right? So that's the best way that I could answer that question. I'm Sean. This is... Nick. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know where to... Yeah. And yeah, we can redo it. <laughs> We're... I'm... Nick, we got to wrap up. I would love to have you back on the Hope Wagon for another Pleasure. Hope Dealer podcast. And uh, would you be willing to come back and share a little bit more? I'll think about it. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, I'll be here for sure. I'm Sean. I'm Nick. And this is the Hope Dealer podcast. Thank you for tuning in. See you guys.